Hey, everybody, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to make sure you're following Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. We're on Facebook under that name. We're on Instagram and Twitter under Testis Cancer. That's T-E-S-T-E-S Cancer, C-A-N-C-E-R, which I'm very sure that you know how to spell at this point. So make sure you give us a follow if you're not already so that when we post new content or post reminders for your monthly self-exams, you can be the first one to see it. Thanks so much. Let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Welcome back to It Takes Balls. Today I'm joined by Mason Burchett. He's a director of marketing and development professionally, but what's important here is that he's a survivor of testicular cancer. Mason, thanks for being here. Hey man, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, uh, to be a part of this. So I read um, your story that you submitted on the Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation website, and you had a, a bit of an interesting one. Let's start from the very beginning. Um, I noticed that you said that you caught it on a self-exam. Were you practicing self-exams regularly, or was that something that you were taught before? No, not at all. And it's actually, uh, it's actually interesting how this came about. So when I was 22... Um, I had already had two kids, and so I decided to get a vasectomy because I was done and wanted to find something else to do. Yeah. So um, I had a vasectomy, which my urologist was not crazy about as a 22-year-old, um, but I did it, and um, anyone that's had one of those, it's not really as big a deal as everybody makes it out to be, um, but I did have like some issues with uh, my left side after it was over and had some ongoing pain and had to go back to the urologist and get it checked out. So really, um, I had had some pain on my left side. Um, and I just always chalked it up to, Oh, must've been a you know a bad vasectomy. And mm-hmm. I just ignored it. And it persisted for probably two years, I guess, almost three. And, and I noticed pain on my right side and I was like, okay, well nothing, I didn't even have any trouble with the, the vasectomy on the right side, but I still ignored it for a little bit. Cause I thought whatever vasectomy pain, and uh, finally, um, I had to I have to travel a lot for work, drive five, six hours at a time. And I noticed that I was getting like a lot of pain when I was having to drive and just sit mm-hmm. for, for a long period of time. And so I was like, forget it. I'm just going to go to the doctor because I haven't had, a, haven't had a checkup in forever anyways. So uh, I just go to a, a GP and uh, have a checkup. And he's like, I'm going to refer you to a urologist. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, so go go see him. So I had to go out of town. And so I went out of town for like four days, came back, went uh, and had a um, had an ultrasound done, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, had an ultrasound done, and it came, it came back, and my doctor called me the same day, and he's like, hey, I got your ultrasound results, and I got you in with the urologist tomorrow morning. I was like, oh, good. So something probably isn't good. <laughs> so <laughs> I went, I actually went to, um, I went to the imaging place that did my ultrasound and got a, a copy of it, got a paper copy of it. I'm no doctor, but I wanted to see what it read, what yeah. it said. And it had measurements of everything and such and such is enlarged and blah, blah, blah. And then it said malignancy by exclusion. And so naturally I was like, all right, time to WebMD this bad boy. So I like <laughs> spent, the, <laughs> spent the next several hours Googling it. And my GP literally texted me. He said, hey, don't Google any of this. Just wait to talk to your urologist. Oh, I was no. like, yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. And uh, yeah, so that's that's literally how, how I first decided to go to the doctor. 
Um, and honestly, I probably wouldn't have ignored it as long if I had never had the vasectomy. So when you were doing your WebMD that you weren't supposed to do, I mean, what were the things that you were seeing? Yeah. I mean, this, the symptoms are pretty clear, right? The, the, my, my left nut or my, my right nut was harder than my left one. It's definitely felt unusual. Um, and I, which is why self exams are so important. If you're familiar with the way that it usually feels, it's super obvious when something else is going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, so just entering in the symptoms, it was like, testicular cancer you've got testicular cancer and then searching the the words malignancy by exclusion i was like yeah this is i'm definitely just gonna have cancer right now <laughs> and so i went to the urologist the the next day and um i don't know if anybody just sits around and imagines what it's like to be diagnosed with cancer but you always like imagine you know this real somber moment where the doctor's like you know i'm so sorry but this is you know that's not the way it was at all so he comes in, he goes, yeah, I usually don't like to read the ultrasound reports until I, until I do an exam myself. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And so he did an exam and he goes, yeah, that's definitely cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. He goes, we're going to need to get that out of there. And I, I didn't know enough about it. I'm like, the, the tumor or? Yeah. It's like, no, we got we to take the whole testicle out. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, you know, I asked the questions about biopsy. Can we do biopsy? No, you can't go poking around on it or else it'll spread and all that jazz. And I'm like, okay, so what kind of time like, timeline are we looking at? This was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And he goes, what are you doing Friday? <laughs> and like, like, this is just no big deal to this guy. And I was like, I guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm having an orchiectomy. So that's how that went down. So, I mean, you know, that happened pretty quick and, and mine was similar. How did you, um, I mean, how was it when you were processing that information? Uh, man, it was, it was mixed. So, um, because obviously cancer is such an ominous word. And I mean, he explained to me that if you're going to pick a cancer, you know, if you find testicular cancer early, it's, it's not like a good one to have, but it's like one to pick if you're going to pick a cancer. And so that was somewhat reassuring, but he also explained, you know, and I had, um, I actually have two friends that had testicular cancer and one of them was caught it later and was very bad off. And, uh, so I had that image in my mind mm -hmm. and, uh, I mean, he, it spread and he had a real tough time with it for years and, uh, thankfully wound up beating it. But I just, I didn't know. Cause you're in that moment of limbo where you don't know what stage it is. Cause they don't tell you any of that until after the orchiectomy right. and you, you go and get the scans and everything. And so I was in that period of limbo for like a week and a half where, you don't know, like, is it in my lungs? Is it spread? Is it, where else is it? And, uh, that's, that's like a really sombering, uh, couple of weeks there while you're waiting around for news. Yeah. And especially cause you have two kids, as you mentioned. So, I mean, how is that when you hear the, the C word and you have kids? Yeah. Cause at the time my kids were four years old and two years old. And so like, you can't tell them, Hey, daddy's got cancer. Cause they don't know what's going on. Right. Um, they just knew, uh, daddy was sick and, so we just tried to break that news as gingerly as possible. You know, daddy's sick. Don't go jumping on his stomach or anything crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine having to do it with kids and, and you are 26 now, correct? 27. I just turned 27. Just turned 27 and you were 25 during correct. treatment. So was this all during COVID? Yeah, man. And that's what, that's even what made it worse. So <clears throat> yeah, we were right in the, like the, big part of COVID. So everything's shut down. Uh, hospitals are on full lockdown, you know, 
And uh, so when I started uh, chemo, they wouldn't let anybody come back there with me, right? And so you had to do it was eight hours a day, five days straight, and it was by yourself, which was fine. But man, it's made it a lot more isolating for sure. And then I wound up having a stint in the hospital, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And nobody could come in there with me either. So I was in the hospital by myself for a week. So um, that part of it made it a little more rough. It would have been cool to have somebody there. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that adds a whole new element to it that, um, you know, a lot of people are facing now and have faced recently. Um, and then you also said you live a little bit further away from your family. So that's got to be tough as well. Yeah. So when, uh, the week I was, uh, di- diagnosed, officially diagnosed and had surgery the same week, um, my, both of my parents had COVID. And so, uh, they were tore up because they couldn't come down for the surgery mm-hmm. and they couldn't come see me and all that. And so they were super upset about that. But, um, my, uh, my in-laws, my, my, my wife's aunt and my brother, uh, stepped up to the plate and they both came down an unlikely duo. My wife's aunt and my brother, <laughs> uh, <laughs> managed to come down and, uh, help take care of me. So I, I had had the, the orchiectomy and went back home and was laying on the couch, passed out. And when I woke up, there was a brand new recliner in my living room. And oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, which was great. I, I guess I bought it and didn't know it, but uh, <laughs> they, and they had gone and picked up a recliner for me. So I lived in that recliner for like the next six weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. With the orchiectomy and recovery, did you have any issues with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the surgery went great. Um, the only, the only really uh, weird thing about the surgery is I woke up and my arm was like three times the size that it normally was because what? they had, they had missed a vein with the oh, IV God. and it had leaked out like under my skin. So my arm was huge, Jeez. but, uh, yeah, anyways, that was fine. That, that was taken care of, but, um, yeah, the surgery went great and, but I have definitely had, um, some, some chronic pain since then. And it's not unbearable but it's like noticeable cause I still have to drive a lot. I'm still in that upright position every day when I work, I work at a desk. And so it certainly is agitating, um, at times just feeling some, some discomfort from the, from the surgery still to this day. And then you, you were treated with chemo. Were you treated with, um, BEP or EP or something different? Yeah, it was, uh, trying to remember, yeah, I think it was BP, right? So bleomycin, etoposide, and uh, whatever the other one that sounds like weed killer is. Cisplatin. Yeah, cisplatin. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so I did that, which was uh, a week straight. And then the, the bleo was actually sp- spread over three Mondays, three mm-hmm. consecutive Mondays. And, um, you know, that was a huge pain in the butt. And I... I'm blessed because I didn't have to do chemo as long as a lot of people have to do chemo, you know, thankfully, but even just doing it for a week, I was like, man, I get how <laughs> people just do not want to do this again. Um, cause I got sick, lost my hair, you know, the whole bit. And then, uh, so I had done my full week. I had done my second bleo treatment on the second Monday. And so I had one more, uh, uh bleo treatment left and I got an infection in my mouth. And so I'm like, fresh out of chemo right this is like a day out of a solid week of chemo Mm -hmm. and i have this mouth infection i'm like okay whatever it's just a sore in my mouth and it gets like 
outrageously worse over the course of 24 hours. So when you you have chemotherapy, like all of your platelet levels and all that stuff are way lower. So you have no white blood cells to fight anything. Yeah. So it got super bad in like 24 hours. So I went to the dentist and uh, I was like, yeah, this is what's up. This is what happened. He gave me some high powered antibiotics. They didn't do squat. (laughs) And so uh, it was like raging. Like my mouth is swollen. It's raging. And one night I uh, break out in a fever and I'm like breaking out in cold sweats. And my, so my wife's like, you know, forget this, we're going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, my family is gone at this point. So uh, my best friend lives about an hour away and it's in the middle of the night and she calls him and she's like, Hey, can you please come sit with our kids while I take (laughs) me to the hospital? So he drives through the night, shout out to Matt and stays with my kids and we go to the hospital and, um, yeah, I can't even remember the numbers. I don't remember what a normal platelet count was, but mine was like sub-zero. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was super bad. And um, so they admitted me, obviously. They yeah. wouldn't let me go anywhere. And so it got worse. They put me on high-powered antibiotics through my IV. Didn't work. They had to change my antibiotics three times, mm. um, and none of the antibiotics were working. So I'm laying there like four days into the hospital, the infection's down in my throat at this point, And like, they're worried about my throat closing off. And so I was like, great, I'm going to beat cancer and I'm going to die from a tooth infection. Jeez, this, is, yeah. this is fantastic. So they bring my, uh, they bring my oncologist in, they bring an oral surgeon in and the, the resident doctor there in, and they're all just like hanging out in my room talking about what they want to do. And so they wound up, uh, the oncologist decides to give me these shots in my stomach that like, make your bone marrow create white blood cells Mm -hmm. and uh which isn't like normally a good idea like you don't want to always just get those shots unless you have to but he was like at this point we got to do it you know or you're gonna die from a tooth infection which isn't cool so they did those and you know uh, it worked and it it knocked that infection out they wound up having to remove one of my teeth Mm. um all in the course of about seven or eight days there in the hospital and uh, that was a, a weird side effect of the chemotherapy yeah in your uh submission you mentioned that you ignored it for a few days and i think um you know that at least in my case and and probably yours and many others is with the testicle as well is ignoring it and allowing it to kind of worsen so i think you know, the takeaway yeah. is to don't ignore stuff Absolutely don't ignore it. Like if something is, your body will tell you when something's wrong, right? Like if something's off, just go get it looked at. It's totally fine just to go get something looked at. And so, uh, which is funny because um, like after I had testicular cancer, I had a couple of friends that were like, hey, I think I have, I think I have testicular cancer. And uh, I'm like, go get checked. Go get, like, I'm not the doctor. Go yeah. to the doctor. If you feel like something's wrong, just go to the doctor, man. I'll pay your $80 to just go to the doctor. <laughs> And I wish they were both fine. I think everybody was just freaked out because I had testicular cancer. Uh, but it's definitely better to err on the side of caution and just go get looked at. Yeah, definitely. And and back to chemo where you lost your hair and everything and then having the kids. I mean, I think, you know, that's kind of a visible thing that your kids notice where, okay, maybe daddy really, you know, there is something going on with daddy. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough because you could tell they were really uh, freaked out, you know, uh, and they didn't like it at all. So I started losing my hair in in patches. Like it doesn't just all gracefully fall out at one time anybody, mm-hmm. for anybody that hasn't had chemo. And so you look like you like a dog with the mange there for a little bit. And uh, so 
you know, I had actually um, shaved my head before chemo and it started growing back. Mm-hmm. Like full head of hair, and I was like, "Oh, great! Maybe I'm not gonna lose my hair at all." And then it like <laughs> fell out in patches again after that. Yep. So I, I think I got too far ahead of it. Um, but they could definitely tell something was up. Obviously, you know, I wore a hat a lot, or you know, a beanie or something. But um, you know, I had lost. I'm a skinny guy, anyways, right? I'm six one, like one fifty five. Wow. So I, I'm a skinny guy. I lost over twenty pounds between the chemo and um that stint in the hospital with the infection because i couldn't eat like that whole week um so i looked i looked super bad right so i'm super skinny i have no hair so they definitely know i'm sick um and there's nothing you can do like to cover it up you just have to to try to put a smile on and be in as good a spirits as you can and not hide it from them you know i didn't want them to to feel like i'm trying to hide something from them because even at two and four um, they know something's up and they know when you're hiding something from them. Yeah. So we, we made them a part of it, you know, and, um, had fun with it and took pictures with daddy while he's bald and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, finally when it was over and my hair started growing back, they wanted me to shave it again. So I think they got accustomed <laughs> to it. <laughs> How are they with, you know, you and survivorship now? I mean, do they, do they have any comprehension of what happened yet or how's that? Yeah, my my son not as much because he was two. You know, he doesn't really remember much about it. My daughter does, and even when I was getting ready for the podcast, she's like, "What are you talking about? What is going on?" And I was like, "Yeah, you remember when Daddy was sick?" And and uh, she's like, "Yeah," and I had to have surgery. And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Well, you know, other people have that too, and we're just going to talk about it so they feel better about it." And she's like, "Why did you have to have surgery in the first place?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, okay, here we go into this whole discussion." <laughs> so I'm like, "Yeah, you know, here's why." Um, and try to break that down in elementary level, but she's super curious and, um, that's fine. You also mentioned that, um, you, you said earlier that you had two friends that had it. Um, and then somebody introduced you to Dr. Einhorn. That's right. Yeah. So, um, it was actually, uh, somebody I knew from my childhood. It was her husband and, um, we hadn't I mean, we hadn't kept up with them in, in years. And then uh, when my diagnosis came out and uh, they reached out and, and were a big point of support for us, and we appreciate that. And they actually introduced us um, to Dr. Einhorn via email, and um, he was super helpful. I mean, any, any patient, testicular cancer patient that's had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Einhorn. He's very reassuring and his confidence, like with his knowledge, uh, in this particular diagnosis, um, it lets you take kind of a deep breath and know what your options are. Um, so, and it's not that my urologist was bad, but you know, Dr. Einhorn is like the guy, you know, yeah. like when I told my oncologist that I had talked to Dr. Einhorn, he's like, Oh, like that's the guy. Like that's the guy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's the guy. And, uh, so, you know, we got on a phone call with him and the first thing he said, he goes, first of all, you're not going to die. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Cause I had sent him my scans and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's great. Everybody take a deep breath. And, uh, and he walked through, uh, what treatments look like. You know, you can observe it. You can, cause I was stage one and, uh, you can do chemo or you can do the RPL and D. And he was, he was like, there's no wrong choice any choice you pick is the right choice. And I was like, can you, can you just pick for me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, can you just decide what I need to do? And, um, you know, he kind of talked about what percentages look like 
of it reoccurring if you don't do the chemo versus if you do do the chemo. And so, uh, you know, after talking about it with my family, we decided to go ahead and do the chemo. So how did you come to that decision? If he, if he mentioned RPL and D and, and chemo as options, I mean, what, what was your thought process picking what you did? Yeah. And on the other side of it, my thought process may be different because I've read a, a lot of, uh, I've read a lot about people who decided to do the RPL and D instead. And, uh, anyways, uh, naturally, once you look at what the RPL and D entails, you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Um, not interested in having my bowels taken out of my body. <laughs> so, uh, that was pretty intimidating and, you know, being stage one, he was like, you know, there's, there's a 75% chance you're cancer free right now, you know, mm-hmm. but he said, if you're not, you know, instead of one round of chemo, you may be looking at five if it does come back. Um, and maybe still having to do some surgery, who knows? It just depends. And, uh, you know, just looking at that, those percentages, there's a 25% chance that it's still in my body. If I do a round of chemo, it goes down to like a 1% chance. And I feel a lot better about those odds. Mm-hmm. So we, that's really what was the deciding factor for me. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Dr. Einhorn kind of is the guy who created, uh, the treatment for testicular cancer. And I saw a stat recently that he has, it's estimated that he saved over 300,000 lives. So yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. And I mean, everybody knows who Lance Armstrong is, right? Dr. Mm-hmm. Einhorn worked with uh, Lance Armstrong during his treatments too. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a small world. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, it, it, it is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, but he was so gracious, man. And like so kind. And you know, this guy has to get a gajillion emails and calls a day. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think, but he was so cool and, uh, I really appreciate him taking the time to, to talk to me. So, so in survivorship, um, you know, how, how has that been for you? Have you kind of put it in the past? Are you still working to kind of raise awareness? Where are you with, with that? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm still raising awareness cause I didn't know anything about it. You know, I had never heard, I mean, I'd heard of it, but like I never thought I'll get testicular cancer. I didn't know the age ranges. I didn't know it was so prevalent in young men. I didn't know any of that. Um, and so I'm definitely, um, out there just, you know, making testicle jokes all the time, reminding people that I had testicular cancer, making light of it. Um, (laughs) because it's funny to see people's reactions. There's also no better, um, there's no better reaction than when somebody sees your survivor wristband and they're like, Oh, what kind of cancer did you have? And you're like, oh, I had cancer in my balls. Yeah. And they're just like, Oh, <laughs> and they're like, no, it's okay. You know, here's, let's talk about it. Let me tell you why. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of funny to talk about, but it actually does get it in the front of people's minds and it has people thinking about it, which is the most important thing. I mean, if people are talking about it then maybe they'll check themselves and, uh, God forbid, if they have it, they'll find it early. Yeah. And I mean, that's one, that's one thing, um, you know, no shame in talking about it. There's also people that I know, and I'm sure, you know, and have met in treatment and and survivorship who don't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. and that's fine, but you know, it's good for people like you to, to talk about it when you're open about it, it allows them to say, you know, okay, maybe, maybe my swollen nut, I can go get that looked at and not feel ashamed about it. I don't have to talk about it, but. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's, and I get it. I mean, it's like embarrassing, right? Nobody wants to just go drop their pants for the doctor. I mean, nobody wants to do that. Um, but the thing you got to keep in mind is like, I mean, first of all, 
these guys, I mean, urologists fondle balls all day, every day, and yours is just another set. They don't care. Like, <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't care about yours any more than anybody else's. So, um, you, you can get over that. If you can keep it in your mind that it's just another set to them, like, don't be embarrassed. Just go get checked. It's fine. It's no big deal. Exactly. Um, has, has this cancer changed you in any way? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think especially that two week period where you don't know if it's spread or not, you know, and you're like going through every scenario in your mind. I'm super, um, prepared anyways. Right. Like I was 22 year old. I already had life insurance. I had a cancer policy. I had all this stuff lined up. Um, thankfully, but, uh, I'm like going through my life insurance documents, making sure everything's in order, <laughs> checking my will, um, uh, which was probably a little overboard, but, um, honestly staring down the, you know, the possibilities of, I don't know if it's spread. I don't know what stage it is. I don't know how bad this is going to be. I didn't even know much about testicular cancer at that point. Um, when you have to confront uh, the possibility of being ill, you know, being uh, very sick, it certainly makes you look at things differently and almost immediately your priorities change, you know, like, wow, how much time have I, have I been spending with my family? Mm-hmm. You know, how much time have I, been, have I, could I have spent here instead of doing this? Um, and that has changed my outlook for the better, you know, and hopefully I will never get over that. Um, but I, I think, uh, through my diagnosis and through the treatments, um, I've, been given the opportunity to work a lot on gratitude and just being grateful for, um, the mundane things in life. You know, yeah. there's some days I'm having a bad day and I'm like, ah, you know what? It's been worse. It could be worse, you know? And, uh, that's, that was a gift. So I appreciate that part of it. Yeah. That's a great answer. I think it's probably a common theme as well. Um, what about any kind of lasting side effects of chemo? And I know you said when you're driving, you sometimes feel a little bit of pain still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the chemo is a funny one. Uh, I had with that cisplatin, it messes with your hearing. So, uh, I had super bad tinnitus for weeks and I remember going to the doctor and I was like, Hey, is this going to stop? And they're like, we hope so. (laughs) And, uh, the tinnitus finally subsided, but I've definitely got a loss of hearing since then. Um, which, uh, works to my advantage because now, you know, if my wife tells me to do something and I don't do it, then I'm just like, Oh, I didn't hear you. Cancer. Yeah. Cancer, <laughs> and so it's always, always, always win. I always win those arguments. Um, no, but the loss of hearing was definitely a thing. And then, um, I mean, you still get like, there's still randomly, like you just get, you know, uh, some numbness in your fingertips or, or, uh, something like that. That's a little odd from, from the chemo and it just hit or miss every now and then. What about like, um, your hair growth. I mean, I noticed with mine after chemo, kind of my facial hair fluctuated the way it grew back and my hair seems a little bit thinner on the sides. Do you have anything like that? Yeah. So I was never good at growing a beard anyways, but I was better at it before chemo. It's like, it's given up altogether now. Yeah. Um, but my hair grew back a little bit and then fell out again, like three times. I don't, mm. Did you experience that? I don't no. know if that happened. Yeah. Like it would come back and then I would get in the shower and it would just, I would scrub it right back off. And Weird. it was so annoying. I was like, it's never going to stay. Um, and it finally grew back and I have super straight hair and it's straight now. Um, but when it grew back, dude, it was so curly. It was yeah. tight, like, you know, surely <laughs> temple curls and, uh, which I was on board with it. I was like, this is great. I love curly hair. Um, 
after like three or four haircuts though it cut all the curls out so that was short-lived yeah i was just glad it didn't come back you know like green or red or something but hey if it came back green man that would have been pretty <laughs> crazy <laughs> um what does uh your follow-up look like now i mean are you seeing the doctor every three four months six months mm-hmm. year yeah, so last month, I've been doing it every three months. I've been going every three months, and uh, last month was my one-year visit, so I had the chest X-ray and the CT scan, and uh, everything looked good, so one year removed. Awesome. And yeah, so stoked about that. And so yeah, three months, I go back for blood work, six months, X-ray, and then 12 months, X-ray and CT, and so we're doing that for three years, so I'm in year two right now. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have any advice for anybody who is maybe just now starting down this road? Uh, yeah, my advice would be to get involved with the community uh, and don't isolate yourself, you know, and don't just like Google everything because there's so much different information out there. And the best information you can get is from people that have experienced it and from medical professionals who like deal with this all of the time. So, uh, I mean, really the, uh, the community that the awareness foundation has built is the best place to start. And I'm so glad that my doctor, my, my GP was aware of, of the foundation. They're the ones nice. that actually gave me the information about it. So that's how I got introduced to it. And I'm super glad they did. Um, because this is a place where obviously there's no shaming and you can openly talk about symptoms and what you're going through. And most people have already walked that road and they'll walk, you know, they'll walk it with you. So I would say, you know, get, get plugged into the community and let them help you. Yeah. hundred percent. Do you want to um, shout out any, any doctors or hospitals or anywhere? Cause you're in a town that I can't even pronounce. Ultawa. Close. Yeah. It's, if you're out of town, it's Ultawa. If you live here, the L silent, it's just Ottawa. Ottawa, Tennessee. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody who is listening, who may be in that area, is there anywhere that they should check out? Yeah. So, uh, um, the Erlanger health system here is, is second to none. And all of the, the nurses and the doctors at Erlanger were super good to me when I was in the hospital and, uh, Tennessee oncology here, uh, also has great nur- nurses. I'll give a special shout out to, uh, my GP. His name is Brian Fretwell. And, uh, he was so cool, man. Um, even when it was out of his hands and I was working with the urologist and the oncologist, he was texting me, you know, like the day I was going into surgery, I had a text from him and he was like, Hey, I'm praying for you this morning. You got this. And uh, he was such a supportive guy and I really pr- appreciate him. So if you're in the, uh, if you're in the East Tennessee area, go check out Brian Fretwell. That's awesome. Hey, well, any, any last thoughts? No, I don't think so, man. I appreciate I appreciate you having me on the podcast, and I appreciate what the uh, uh, what the foundation's doing to to build awareness. This is super important. What you're doing with the podcast is awesome, man. And uh, keep it up. I wish you guys the best of luck. For more information, visit testiscancer.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.